This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. You're listening to Media Week. This is Dan Barrett, Deputy Editor at Media Week. I'm sitting here at Channel 7 with Andrew O'Keefe. I think people may know who you are, but Andrew, first of all, let's hear your voice. How are you doing? I'm very well, Dan. Um, thanks very much for coming along and yeah. having me. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting me into your studio here with a very intimidating picture of Stephen Peacock here. Well, it depends what you mean by intimidating. Sure, he is semi-naked, um, dripping in water and giving us a smouldering look. Um, but, you know, I, I get that when I look in the mirror after my shower every morning. So, yeah, you know, I'm not intimidated. Yeah, yeah, it sounds rough yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. It, that is virtually a spitting image of me other than the hairlessness and the absence of beer gut. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but otherwise. Yeah, otherwise. Yeah, completely spot on. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I'm just having a chat with you because it's one year on air for The Chase. Indeed. Does it feel like a year? Uh, No, no, not at all. I was um, incredibly surprised uh, when, you know, publicity said, we've got to do some year publicity or a year for what exactly. Um, It's flown by. It's flown by. And I think that's that's a, um, you know, an indication of, the fact that it's going really well, you know, you you, you tend to uh, you tend to struggle and, and and view the ratings every day and, and make life very hard for yourself when it's not going well. And those years can crawl by. Uh, this one's flown. It'd be a bit weird celebrating a game show like this because I'm sure you shoot like a whole bunch of episodes at once. Yes. So like setting in a sort of chronology in your mind probably doesn't really line up so much. No, no. And this is this is the you know the constant um, confusion of, of a show host when people approach you on the street and say, "Oh, how about that guy last <laughs> night?" And he's, "Oh yeah, aren't they sillies?" Uh, they have no idea what they're talking about. How often at home do you flip channels and I suddenly remember that your show's on and stuff? Like, <laughs> do you watch it? Or not? I, I don't watch it. No, I I learnt long ago not to watch myself on television uh, because you end up having a fairly dim view of yourself. Mm. Um, like I, you think to yourself that you're a fairly smart, fairly affable, quite entertaining sort of person, and when you watch yourself, it tends to disprove <laughs> that notion. <laughs> Is it kind of the physical reality of you, so actually seeing sort of yourself and, you know, everyone's got those own sort of personal sort of issues? No, it, look, yeah. to tell you the truth, what it is, is um, that I, I remember those shows as filmed. Yeah. Um, so I recall everything that happened in those shows. When I see them edited, I quite often find myself pulling my hair out saying, oh, no, we just lost, you know, the funniest thing that happened all hour, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, So I I get um, easily incensed uh, by the editing process and it's not good for the blood pressure. Yeah, no, no, I totally understand that. Now, you're obviously not a stranger to the afternoon game show and that time slot you've been sitting there for a while. Uh, do you kind of feel that it's sort of just the continuance of what you've been doing all this time? Or does the new format actually sort of rejuvenate it a little bit for you just internally? Oh, no, definitely it has um, brought a new spark to my enthusiasm for the process. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the deal was a, a terrific venture. Uh, it was 11 years on air, uh, but it was a very different venture to the chase. Mm. I mean, really, the aim of the game for the deal was, was pure entertainment. You know, I, I always viewed it as vaudeville, and our shooting days were, were live theatre for the 150 screaming maniacs who came along every day. Yeah. Um, this is obviously a little more considered, um, and with the beauty for me is that I have five people you know, in the show who are really the stars of the show. Um, I'm the traffic warden, so that takes the pressure right off. Yeah. 
Uh, do you get critical of other traffic wardens out in the streets? So, you know, the lollipop people outside of schools and this kind of thing? No, no, added no. respect for them. New yeah. respect, <laughs> indeed. Elevate them completely. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, you've probably got some insights into game shows. Um, do you feel that game shows have a certain lifespan? So, like when Deal or No Deal, or as I've always called it, Suitcase or No Suitcase, <laughs> and I, I knew I'd got to call it that at some point in front of you. Just the <laughs> but do you feel that a show like that has a lifespan? Like, after 10 years, it's probably time to retire that format and... I, I think anything has a lifespan. Mm. Uh, as much as people may love uh, a, a format or um, or a set of characters um, or a way of telling stories, anything has a lifespan. Yeah. Um, once it becomes so comfortable for people that they feel they don't have to tune in without missing much, then it's probably time to give it a rest. Yeah, because I mean, game shows have that weird thing as well, where they do come back as formats. So yes. Think about the number of times that Larry's been back there doing the prices right. Well, totally. Actually, yeah. yesterday, in, in anticipation of uh, of doing some interviews, I was looking through some old deal clips, um, which is something I never thought I'd do again. And I was excited <laughs> by what I saw. I think this is a really strong format. Um, the strength of the format was just the sheer energy of it. Um, it was a very upbeat program in which basically, you know, if you could spell your own name, you could participate. Yeah. Uh, so it was a great sort of democratic format um, and very lively. Yeah. Uh, when you're in a room with, say, David Kosh and Larry Emder, do you feel a kinship with Larry because you're both game show guys, whereas, you know, David's kind of <laughs> Well, I, I think there is a, um, there's a sort of a unspoken international guild of game show <laughs> yeah. hosts. Uh, I would think probably, you know, Tony Barber in Australia would now be considered to be the patron of that guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Baby John Burgess would be the, uh, the you know, the secret, club secretary. But only if he grows back the moustache. <laughs> it is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. How one feature <laughs> can come to define a person. Well, awkwardly for him, he was the only person with a moustache on Australian TV for years, outside of a few newsreaders here and there. So, when you think about moustaches, it's Selig and it's Burgess. Well, I mean, I think that moustache tapped in to something very deep in the Australian psyche, something mm. that, that probably found its, its real flowering in um, mid-1970s cricket. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, a, it's a form of Australia that many people miss, I think. Yeah, it's a missing masculinity. <laughs> that Stephen it. Peacock there with his massive abs just isn't really delivering Well, us. I mean, if you took all the, the, the hair on Peacock's chest, you, yeah. you couldn't put together a moustache. No, right. Maybe a, a pencil moustache, perhaps. Yeah, 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 Australia's really lost something here. <laughs> Uh, so, because you probably do think about game shows, like, what are your favourite formats? Like, when you look across, you know, the world, you know, we've got so many sort of uh, long-lasting formats as well as, like, new weird ones that crop up here and there. Yes. Uh, well, I've always liked the um, the British formats. Mm. Um, the formats in which the game is really just an excuse to have some parlour fun. Yeah. Um, so your QIs and, uh, you know, would, uh, would I lie to you, um, those, those kinds of things. I find incredibly entertaining. Mm. It's it's a vehicle for people um, to enjoy themselves rather than to win or lose anything. Yeah, it's a it's a game show in in name, I suppose, and a and a, and a chat show in in earnest. Um, so I, I do enjoy those formats. Um, having said that, you know, I mean, something like the chase is incredibly compelling, and I didn't realise, I think, when I took the job on, how strong. The elements of the format were so there are, there are a number of things that make it work. There's a this constant shifting of pace. 
mm. between fast money rounds and, and more considered uh, multiple choice rounds. There's a constant uh, flow of new faces between contestants, myself, and the chasers. Mm. Um, and more importantly than anything, are those chasers themselves. You know, people have started to attach uh, a, a lot to those chasers, a lot of personality. People have an investment in those chasers. Um, and between those three elements, you know, it, it makes for strong telly. Yeah. Uh, how many episodes are you filming of the chase on a, like, how regularly are you filming and how many do you do? So we'll do blocks of roughly three months yeah. in which we will film four days a week, three apps a day. Um, now, uh, those eps are an hour to air, maybe a couple of hours to film, um, and some faffing around in the middle. Okay, Um, how how much faffing around? (laughs) If you cut down on the faffing, do you get out earlier, or is it just a... Look, if if, if I let go of my uh, Filipino masseur uh, between each game, (laughs) I could probably cut the days back quite a bit, but, you know, you've got to have something to live for, Dan. Yeah, I find it concerning you refer to the Filipino masseur as you looked over at Channel 7 publicist here, Jonathan Bolt. <laughs> He's my Lebanese masseur. That's a very different style of massage. Yeah, different days. <laughs> the Filipino masseur does not feed me kibbe whilst kneading my knots. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, you've got a pretty sweet deal. You've got the afternoon game show, but you've also got weekend sunrise. Yes. Do you need both to be able to feel a certain sense of sanity with what you're doing on television? Because they exercise different elements. Yeah. One's very much the showman, the other side's a bit meatier. And it's, indeed, yeah. indeed. And I've always uh, very much appreciated that about the, the path my career has taken mm. um, because th- that really is my personality. I'm, I'm a true Libran. Um, 50% of me is all about uh, razzmatazz. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's nonsense and stuff. It's uh, glitter guns and hurling handbags. Um, but the other side of me um, has always enjoyed good, robust thought and debate. Uh, we don't always get that on weekend sunrise, but we try as hard as we can. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I would be, I would be keeping up with what's happening around the world as a hobby anyway, so I might as well get paid for it. Exactly. Um, what time are you starting on the weekends? Because you seem pretty alert when I'm watching on screen. <laughs> but not alarmed, I no, hope. Not alarmed, occasionally. <laughs> I've been alarmed by the alarm <laughs> a couple of times. Um, look, I, I've got a pretty good wicket on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you do the weekday shows, you're generally rolling out of bed about half past three, mm. which, of course, is not the morning. That's the middle of the night. Certainly. So only bats, ghosts, and uh, lunatics really should be out at that point. Um, but on the weekends... You know, I stumble out of bed a little bit before five, have a shave, a coffee, and I'm there in 15 minutes and on air by seven. That's um, not too bad. It's not too bad at all. Yeah. You know, you can pretend that you have a social life when you go to bed, you know, at quarter to 12. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously you're doing the weekend shows, so you're missing out on, like, the peak social nights really doing that. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Which used to be a source of considerable consternation to me, Dan. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm 44 with three children... I realise that I'm actually not missing much because none of my friends are having the swinging gay old time that we used to. Oh, fantastic. Oh, okay. So, obviously, you've kind of expressed ideas about wanting to do like late night sort of talk shows, hype formats before. Do you see yourself as kind of, as David Letterman used to phrase, that creature of late night? Like, are you a late night guy? <laughs> I am a late night guy. Um, and, uh, you know, for, the, for those reasons, the, the morning shifts tend to be incredibly counterintuitive for me and quite mm. punishing. Uh, but, 
Yeah, look, what, what I think I like about the, the late night formats most of all um, is the luxury of time. Yeah. You know, quite often when you get a great interview subject on, on Sunrise, for example, um, you know, the demands of the format are such that you've got them for three or four minutes tops. Uh, and you can really only cover the headline uh, items of a person's thoughts or their life in three or four minutes. Um, you know, night times allow the luxury of, of scratching around um, in their personalities, of rummaging around the, uh, the basements of their minds um, and hopefully teasing out something, you know, a little more sophisticated. Having said that, whether there's still an appetite for that or not in Australia, who knows? Well, this is what I was going to ask you. So, I mean, Australia, as I sort of came of age... Um, late 80s, obviously, had Graham Kennedy doing Coast to Coast. Uh, the 90s, we saw, uh, for a period, Andrew Denton doing it for a little while. We saw Bizard in there, uh, Rove in the early to mid-2000s. But it's kind of been a bit sort of dead since then. It hasn't really been that big, sort of long-lasting... Yeah, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, like, not sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the if there was a, a, a strong commercial imperative <laughs> around yeah. late nights, we would have one. Um, but it's very difficult to make a case for that nowadays. Mm. Um, you know, the the you have to create, in a sense, an audience at that time of night. That requires a fair bit of investment and a lot of patience. Um, patience and investment are probably two things um, currently <laughs> that come at quite a premium in television. Yeah. Um, what late night shows do you, like, do you like? Like, who are the guys for you? Well, I mean, Letterman, for me, yeah. was always the master. Uh, his, his ability um, to uh, tease the best out of people without uh, foisting himself all over the format um, was terrific. You know, yeah. he, was, he was the ultimate in congeniality. Um, I always liked Parkey and Denton for their strategy in an interview, um, as you know, as the name Enough Rope suggested, for example, yeah. it was all about um, letting the thing speak for itself, raise ipsa loquita, as they say in the law, um, and having the cunning just to throw in the crucial question at the crucial moment. Parky's even better still. I mean, if you watch Parky closely, all he really does is repeat the last thing that the guest has said when the guest stops talking, which leaves a, a sort of second of awkward silence that the guest feels they need to fill in. Um, and so they keep talking. They, you know, at times they may gabble, but they often give so much more than they'd intended to do. Yeah. So what sort of format do you think would work well for you sort of at late nights? I mean, you did have a bit of a go at it, but it was laddered with the um, sketch comedy improv. Oh, yes, yes, you yeah. do. And do you think that sort of strangles the looseness that you feel with like a late night show where you want that sort of longer, luxurious conversation? Well, I mean, that, I think you're right, Dan. That, that is the essence of late night. Um, it's that, um, you know, that luxury of lounging, I guess. Yeah. Um, you, you want plenty of space to breathe. And so you don't want to overload it with too many tricks and handles. Look, I've, I've thought about through this for, you know, 10 years now. Yeah. Um, and almost inevitably, I come back to the conclusion that there's a very good reason why most late night formats are exactly the same. Um, it's because they provide all of the things that people are seeking late at night. Yeah. Um, and so they are expensive to make. Um, they're, 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 they're difficult to, to, to person. Um, but, you know, they're the thing that works. Yeah. Um, having said that, 
I think, you, you know, the imperative, if you really do want to get that slot happening, is to try and find something that you can do um, cheaply that's uh, not going to feel like you're selling people out. Mm. Um, just in terms of just thinking about formats and bringing it back to the chase so we can wind this out in a very well-orchestrated Seinfeldian sort of a way. Um, in terms of thinking about formats and game shows, were you that familiar with the chase formats that are going into it? Like, it had been on Channel 7 in the afternoon for quite a while, but were you watching it? I'm not, look, I'm not an avid viewer of, of game shows, um, so I wasn't. Um, having said that, you know, when I uh, took on Deal or No Deal, the only reference material I had was a Danish copy of the show <laughs> in which um, it was uh, all in Danish. There were no subtitles. Mm. Um, and, uh, so I had the foggiest idea what was going on. But if, you know, you approach these things with a, uh, an open heart and big wide eyes, you generally get your head around it. The, the chase grew on me very quickly one of the key elements i think is the fact that you don't mind who wins you know if the if the challengers win the you know the contestants win well bully for them isn't that fantastic that they were such bright sparks but if the um, chaser wins it's just equally as satisfying to watch such an impressive mind you know hunt down a whole team so um, the fact that, you know, that, that whoever wins, we all win, makes it an incredibly strong format. Yeah. Now, completely understanding the game mechanics of the program, would you be wanting to give it a go yourself? Like, does it kind of pain you a little bit that you can't give it a shot? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm rather glad that I can't give it a shot. As the host, there's this sort of assumption on the part of the audience that you actually know the answers to mm. everything. Um, I think if you put that to the test, the assumption would be ridiculed mercilessly and quickly. Um, so I'm very glad I'm not in that situation. Um, having discovered over the course of the last year that I have um, a few really large uh, uh, blind spots or, or black holes in my knowledge. <laughs> Chemistry being one of them. Yeah, you know. I, I can never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm journalism thing for a reason. Anyway, Andrew, it has been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you. Thanks, Dan. The Chase every afternoon, 5pm. You got it. Channel Thank 7. you, mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks, mate.